So ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Ease Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks a lot to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Katrina Blumquist. Katrina, you absolutely killed it on there, and we look forward to having you on again down the road. So now for episode 65 of Easy Conversations. I'm extremely excited, of course, to be back in the studio virtually with the homie Matt. Say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Um, Hope everyone's having a wonderful day or night right now. Um, I have my coffee in hand right now, and I'm super excited to be talking about these three things that we're going to deep dive into tonight. And just just as a forewarning, like spoiler-filled discussions on these three shows. And I'll let Eric introduce the shows right now because I can't wait to get started. Yep. So like Matt alluded to, we're going to be talking about the Marvel Phase 4 Disney Plus television series called WandaVision. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and more recently, Loki. So like Matt said, these are going to be spoiler-heavy conversations, so we strongly recommend to anyone who hasn't seen these shows, maybe to put this on pause and then go back, watch the shows, and then let's come back and listen to our episode. Because we will be leaving no stone unturned in analyzing these three great shows. So we're going to start our discussion off by talking about the, the first show that kicked off these well, kicked off Phase 4 of Marvel's Cinematic Universe, and that was WandaVision. So, uh, Matt, I'll throw it over to you first. What were your um, just initial thoughts on the show WandaVision? I think when the show was announced, we all had the same reaction of, like, do we actually want this show? Do we need this show? Wanda and Vision have been, like, the characters pretty much put off to the side, I think. And if when you look at the grand scale of, like, everybody that we have... Um, it, it wasn't a show that I think I wanted, but honestly, I think it's the show we all needed after wa- after going through the whole series because, in my opinion, it was fen- a phenomenal show. Um, just, like, look at the title, WandaVision, like, the double meaning. I think that's brilliant. And, like, after each episode, I liked the show even more, and I thought the, the, finale, the series finale was f- fantastic. Like, I can't praise it enough. And any show that gets better with each episode, to me, is like, that. that's what makes a great show and a memorable show. Um, so yeah, my initial thoughts is like, there's hardly anything wrong with this show. It's like a 9.9 out of 10 for me. I really loved it. And I've rewatched a bit of it too. And it it, it still holds up. Um, like, we start off with the acting, like Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany. They're phenomenal in their roles. Um What's really cool about the show is the concept, like to me how original it was. Um, I can't even appreciate all the tributes they've done in this show to like old sitcoms because I've never watched them, but I still appreciate it. Like I know what they were doing and it was just lovely to see. Um, the further we get along in the show is when we find out more and more about the story and that's when the show connected with me more and more and the more explanations I got, the more I dug the show. And I'm going to let you um, say your opening thoughts, but I just want to say, like, culminating to this, the, the series finale, like, did not disappoint. And I'm going to talk about that after. But just, Eric, your, like, your initial thoughts on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you said a lot that I already agree with right off the bat there. Um, like I said, I think a few episodes ago on the pod, I am happy that they released the first two episodes on the same day because mm. the first two, like, they really threw me for a loop. I wasn't expecting this, even though we had seen in the trailers that there were going to be some homages to, like, 1950s and 1960s 
comedy TV shows, like in the style that was the approach they took for the first two episodes. And it just really wasn't traditional Marvel content. Like you're seeing an old school American couple, like inviting the husband's boss's family over for dinner. They're having some weird conversations and like there's a laugh track in the background, a lot of goofy comedy happening. And like I appreciated those tributes to like that style of television but like you said like I'd never watched that kind of tv so it didn't really resonate with me or like that's not really what I wanted to see I wanted to see the story go forward and those first two episodes didn't really like weren't really it but then as we go along and what another thing I loved about the show is that every single episode you jumped a decade of um television forward basically so as we got closer to like especially the 90s like that was more in both of our um like areas of expertise for tv consuming the story just progressed more obviously as you go along episode by episode decade by decade so i think for me like one of the things i love the most about it was just how original and different this show was like i've never seen a television show like wandavision don't know if i ever will or if it'll work as well as it did in um, in this show so much mystery and uncertainty and that's another reason why I think I I didn't love the first two episodes because I had no idea what was going on and as a Marvel I'll say fanatic like I do need like and need having some control over what's being presented on the screen I need to understand it and see like in a, a very straightforward manner like what's gonna happen and I think that's been the trend that WandaVision started is they took our expectations and really flipped mm-hmm. them against us. Like we have no idea what to expect with these three shows. And that all started with WandaVision. They flipped the script in every single show, but WandaVision was the pioneer. So those would be my initial thoughts. Just a lot of um, uh, twists, turns, and um, being in the unknown. And then being ultimately very satisfied with the resolution. That last thing you just said is perfect because it ties into, I don't know about you, Eric, but I love when any movie or show, you're a little perplexed at the beginning, but because of how it ends, you can go back and rewatch it and be like, oh, that, 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 like, you know, kind of like a fight club or a sixth sense type thing where you rewatch the movie through different lenses after. And it gets you like, it's a completely different watch. I love when writers do that. It's, it's amazing. And also WandaVision on the surface super entertaining the action like the act like it's all great but there was a lot i found a lot of like heavy themes and it made me like on a philosophical level i wrote down a couple questions like a couple like themes that i want to talk about with you and they're more like introduced in the last episode but like the whole basically it all ties to what um what wanda's doing throughout this whole show was is recreate like westview is her little world that she created and recreating basically her dead, the like her dead lover. And there's a line in the last episode that Monica Rambo says to Wanda, where she said, she says, given the chance and given your power, I'd bring my mom back. And that like, I had to pause it there and really think about what I would do in Wanda's situation and what we would all do. Like, this is the love of your life. Would you do what Wanda did? Like, that really made me think a lot about like this this show made me really think about that statement would i do that what would we do how far would we go to like recapture moments with our loved ones or you know like that's where i'm trying to get at eric like what would we do and it, it really like like i can't even answer that right now it's just my it mind boggles me like it seems like wanda's like 
like all the people she's possessing like that scene that really bone chilling scene where agatha snaps everybody out of wanda's like hold and they're all like turning on wanda i'm not even mad that wanda did that because i, I can understand her motives for being with a loved one again and that what that's what really hit me at the end of like the last episode was like i would i think i would do the same thing honestly eric and i don't know if you have any thoughts on like that state like what i just talked about but that's what I really took away from the show. I mean, there's probably a reason why we don't have those powers or abilities, right? Like, obviously, you see, like, the repercussions that those actions that she took have on innocent lives, right? Like, I know you said that you didn't really feel bad for those people in that moment when they snapped out of their trance. I kind of did, honestly. Like, in that moment, I don't think you're supposed to see Wanda as um, as someone you've kind of... Like, obviously, you feel bad for her, but... Mm -hmm. You're seeing what she's doing to all these other people just to recreate something that now, unfortunately, is over. Mm -hmm. And this just might sound heartless to say, but life does go on. The grieving process is just um, unimaginable. It is something that we all do have to go through at some point in our lives, multiple times in our lives. Like That's just life, right? Yeah. And I know it's a TV show and uh, you can see different realities here. And Wanda literally recreated her own reality in order to deal with her grief. And we can still do that as well, but just not to the extent that she did. The way we would go about it most likely wouldn't impact as many people in a negative way than she did by recreating West view because she like literally took over their minds and uh, made them play a part in her constructed reality but we could still also have negative effects on other people by maybe just like get, getting into like substance abuse or anything like that's a whole other conversation there but you yeah, see yeah. the point that i'm making here so i, I don't do, know I do. and then in saying that like who knows of course if i were to lose someone in my life who's very close to me and um of course i'd want to bring them back so it's tough that's a tough question matt but I'm just to bring it back to the show specifically, though, I will say that that scene that you did talk about, like, I didn't really feel that bad for Wanda. I mostly okay. felt bad for the the town. That's fair enough. I'm thinking of the movie The Matrix where it, to the point where would I be OK living in like a fake reality? But like because that's what it essentially Wanda did, right, was creating her own fake reality. And I'm just I find that concept so interesting. Would I be OK with in Wanda's shoes and being like, well, I'm going to trick myself into thinking like this is the new reality. And the more you do it, the more you think it's real. And I loved in the show when she would kind of momentarily snap out of it, especially in the first like first four or five episodes where she's like something weird happens and she kind of momentarily snaps out. I loved all those scenes because she's like having an internal battle in her head. You know, she's she kind of knows what she's doing eventually, which I love the build up to that and completely thrown off track too i'm gonna change topics to like the whole a the agnes and agatha character like starts off as agnes the annoying neighbor and then is revealed to be like an extraordinary witch she takes power from the undeserving like so she says like that's her thing and i thought that was really cool like the little flashback i thought the villain was very unexpected i didn't see that coming but you know what i bought it right away and i i loved it and eric last thing i don't know about you but in the last episode, when the runes, when the Wanda's runes appear like on the red clouds in the background and reveal to like what, what her plan was, that is as epic to me as like the big moments in the uh, in the theater during like the big Marvel movies. Like I got the same feeling, full like goosebumps all over me, and I l absolutely adored that moment. 
such a badass moment. Yeah. I was fired up when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, Agatha, that twist, to be honest, I kind of suspected her for a little bit, but then at the ep- at the Halloween episode when Vision runs into her on the street and she's perplexed in her car and looks like she's snapped out of the trance that mm-hmm. Wanda has her under and then go- flips back into character, that's um. when I stopped kind of suspecting. I was like, okay, she really is under Wanda's trance. There's nothing here. So that was a great misdirect for anyone who had maybe suspected her like myself. I'm not saying that I knew that she was a villain, but I was kind of on the fence about her, especially because up until this point, there was no real semblance of a villain being around. I figured it was someone that was already in the town and she was around like just enough to plant the seed that maybe she was the villain. But then in that moment when she was in the car, looked like she had snapped out of the uh, trance. I was like, okay, no, it can't be her. She can't be a villain. Uh, so that I'm... was a, a phenomenal job on the writer's part. And then at the end of episode eight, I think that's when we get the reveal. It was Agatha all along. What a jam. Yeah, she was a really good villain and helped propel Wanda's character in another direction as well. Now towards the Scarlet Witch uh, mantle. So there are two things that propelled Wanda forward as the acceptance of the loss of vision and coming across uh, Agatha to come out of this show stronger than ever and will most likely be one of the strongest Avengers once we start getting mm-hmm. into the future movies and shows down the road so and and I'm going to talk we're, I'm going to talk about now and I want your thoughts after on like all the exposition scenes in the show like with G- uh, Agent Wu like Jimmy Wu and Darcy mm-hmm. who's uh oh Natalie Portman's sister I forget her Jane's sister from the Is Thor she movies your No like I, I just say sister, friend, right? Yeah, yeah sister. Yeah. Okay. My bad, my bad. You're right, you're right. Um, like when when Darcy and uh, Jimmy were introduced, that's like when we started getting a lot of exposition. And then you meet yeah. like director Hayward, who's like, quote unquote, the bad guy. Um, and then Monica. Like I like, that's to me, like that's when my ears perked up a little after the first two episodes were like, oh, okay, we're, I'm getting explanation here. It was it, it was much needed, like let's be honest. I think after the first two episodes we were all like, okay, more. Like we may yeah. have needed the first three episodes to all come out at the same time. Mm. No, I didn't mind those scenes at all though. Every exposition scene with the like in the labs or basically ex- like feeding us information. It's necessary. I know some people don't like stuff like that. It's they want to figure it out for themselves, but I thought it was very necessary and it was really tastefully done. Not not boring us and not and keeping it funny too at the same time i mean darcy i find darcy really funny played by kate dennings like i I don't know she's she could drive you a a little like she is annoying i guess like to some people i don't find her annoying at all and monica too very strong character um i liked like when she goes back in the bubble like I, i i don't know i thought the show blended the outside world with inside Westview like perfectly like a bit we're getting a bit of both and we're not getting too much too much of one at the same time like too much of one at a time basically um what are your thoughts on like all the exposition stuff yeah I mean I I love the exposition in episode four like that's Mm. where it really picked up for me and that like it was the first three episodes that were very confusing okay really wasn't sure where they were going with it so then episode four kind of rewinds the tape a little bit for us and we got to get to dissect what happened in the three episodes 
with Darcy and Wu and Monica, they're kind of like the audience watching the show, trying Mm -hmm. to understand what's being presented to us on the screen. So I thought it was really good. And it also propels the narrative forward. It's not just a full on pause and rewind. It's um, pause, rewind, but also a little bit of fast forward or just play, I guess, because we are still now we understand like, okay, this is really a dome that's been created by Wanda that she's living in took the town of Eastview, made it Westview, and they're trying to understand what's happening in there. Introducing the character of Monica Rambo as well, who, I, like you said, I thought she was fantastic as well, and she's also going to be in future Marvel yeah. um, shows and possibly movies as um, a superhero as well. So it was cool to see her like go through the um, the hex a few times, come out of it with some powers too. Mm-hmm. But Wu and Darcy were a dynamite tandem. And the thing that's another thing that Marvel does so well, they put people together that you may not think would work together as well as they do, and then they just nail hit it out of the park. Darcy, I wasn't a big fan of her character in the Thor movies, but I thought she was great in this. She's definitely more mature, and I'm glad that she wasn't the same character that she was in the Thor movies. That kind of just wouldn't make sense. No, yeah. no evolution whatsoever in like yeah. seven years. So no, <laughs> she was a, a welcome surprise. At this point, honestly, I'll take any old character back. It's just like seeing an old friend you haven't seen in years. And Marvel at this point can't miss. They could throw in like the the Warriors three from <laughs> Thor the Dark World at this point I'd be pumped to see them so although I think they're all dead but anyway <laughs> no I thought like and Jimmy Woo is just an unreal character as well super funny got to mm-hmm. see some like some pretty badass moments from him as well like disarming some some sword um, bodyguards I guess or no I didn't mind the exposition exposition at all it was needed and. It wasn't like spoon-feeding us information either. There was still a lot that was open for interpretation Mm -hmm. and that wasn't clear after episode four. It's not like all of our questions were answered. Even they were trying to figure out, like, okay, is Wanda really the one behind all of this? Is there someone else pulling the strings? What is she trying to accomplish with this? We're even getting information presented to us, like a clear misdirect in... Wanda having broken into sword and stolen Vision's body like that just didn't happen so there's a lot of manipulation of information that's another thing that I really enjoyed was like in a lot of movies and TV shows is storytelling how even though you may hear something from a character for all we know everything that that character saying could not could be total fabrication just to steer other people's um, perspective mm-hmm. perceptions into a certain direction like make them think something that and then they'll want to follow the person who said it so that they turn against someone who's now seen as an enemy based on the information that they've given them. So like Tyler Hayward, for example, he was the one who was weaving this web of lies and making his uh, minions follow him. The most obvious villain too. As soon as I saw that, that scumbag, I knew he was going to be a villain. Yeah. <laughs> and that ties into like what's happening in society, Eric, like what Hayward does. Like we see that in the news all the time. And like, that's, I love like, relevant show like that tie into the relevancy of like what's happening now and i wanted to touch on vision now i know we've gone like 20 minutes haven't mentioned vision once just goes to show how little he brought to the table but anyways i'll let you go and we'll talk it's for sure the elizabeth like the wanda show literally because elizabeth olsen is like she's gonna be she's like in her future appearances in the movies like she's gonna be even more badass and awesome she's a phenomenal phenomenal actress 
Paul Benny, though, does a quietly good job, like a subtle, great acting job. You know, all the scenes where like, he's going to work and starts questioning things. Like, I don't know. I liked all that. But what I loved was the Man of Steel-esque Zod versus Superman, the double vision fight basically at the end, yeah. which that's what it reminded me of was Man of Steel, just like Solid. pounding away and breaking all the buildings. But again, why WandaVision surpasses just the average show is like the conversation the visions have together. And like I wrote this down because I had like, I paused it and rewrote the dialogue. But when they're talking about the ship of Theseus, which is... It's a very old thought experiment stating that like that raises the question of whether an object that has all of its components replaced remains fundamentally that same object. And that's what was that's what the colored vision like the the one recreated by Wanda was trying to tell the the new vision was like they were talking about. And you know what? Like that whole thing again made me think made me think of the deeper meanings and like what the show's trying to tell us about many different things. And how he's making the new vision realize like you have all that in you you just have to like remember and anyways that whole moment eric again made me that's what elevates the show for me into like that almost flawless masterpiece show category because of stuff like that philosophical stuff I, i'm a sucker for stuff like that i don't know just you know, like a lot of kids and teenagers will watch wandavision and it go over their head but like stuff like that i i it captures me and i like want to look further into it and do research on it which is what i that's what i did so i can't express my love for this show enough there is an end credit scene i don't know if you saw it that left me completely like confused again but uh i don't know if you want to talk about that now oh, yeah, we, we'll get into that for sure i just want to touch on the vision <laughs> stuff it's too bad that you had to throw the the kids and teenagers loop in there because i guess i'll be looped in there with them because i wasn't a huge fan of the vision conversation uh, like for me maybe uh, you know what maybe i'll mer it'll merit for from a rewatch which i've only seen all these episodes once okay and in that moment you know what i didn't care much for what was happening with vision i just want us to go back to Okay. Wanda oh, yeah. against Agatha and maybe that's why I wasn't really able to grasp everything that was being shared between these two visions or maybe I just didn't really care and because vision's dead and what are we gonna do with gray vision the, the man is still alive apparently like he just flies off at the end of the show are we yeah. gonna see gray vision again I don't care to see him again. And if he does come back, like, what are we going to get out of this guy? Is it going to be a vision who's remembered all of the real visions, past memories and experiences? Either way, like, that's just a lot to unpack. Yeah, for me, vision, like, of the two characters, vision and Wanda, I don't know which one I didn't care for. I cared less for before the show, but... It, it wasn't even close watching the mm. show who I cared for more. Wanda's the breakout right. star. Like you said, she's a, a great actress. And Paul Bettany is a great actor as well there. But Wanda's the one we really care about. Especially because like Vision dies in Infinity War. True. And I know they do have yeah. a way of bringing people back like, with different timelines and stuff. Or mm. even <laughs> Grey Vision could become our Vision. But... Uh, yeah. The whole time, I just wasn't as dialed in for whatever was happening with Vision. And that'll also apply for their kids, Wanda and Vision's kids. Because the whole time, I was just like, are they even real? What yeah. What's happening here? I was only ever really invested in Wanda. So that's my whole approach on Vision for the, the entirety of the show, really. 
and I guess can be encapsulated in that last scene as well. But you know what? That it was definitely some. Like, that's a powerful quote there that you shared. But in the moment, it's the finale. I don't want to see like, true conversation. Good. I want <laughs> runes in the sky. Runes and, in the sky with diamonds. And Eric, I. It's only upon rewatching that last episode that I noticed that conversation because I'm the same as you the first time watch. I rewatched every finale for this show like today actually like as of recording like and that it only I did not even notice that conversation the first time because I was so focused on like get back to the action. You were like a kid or a teenager the first time yeah. you watched it just like You're, me. I cool. was. <laughs> and I even like want, Vision doesn't even say every like what I said is my research that I did on this ship of theseus thought experiment which is as old as time apparently like talked about by greek philosophers way back in the day when vision was when colored vision was trying to make gray vision understand i don't know that really hit me the second time and it it added more depth to it also the it's a heartbreaking moment too like at the end when everything when basically she's uh destroying her own like bubble and everything else disappears like that was a little that was heartbreaking um, but then again, like you said, he we we've seen him die already. He is dead. He was just uh, recreated by her, like very real too. Like in the like she has chaos magic, right? So no, but you're right, Elizabeth Olsen. Like this elevates her into like the echelon of, or it elevates Scarlet Witch into the echelon of like I was gonna say the Mount Rushmore of like Marvel heroes. I don't know, that might be too bold of too a statement. Too soon, maybe, but she's yeah, definitely on her soon. way up. Like now, yeah, everyone loves her now, and yeah. we're definitely on the the Wanda Maximoff train for sure. Yes. Like, definitely, um, we'll see what she does in the next. Like I think her next appearance is gonna be in the Doctor Strange movie as well. There, yeah. so I'm really pumped to see what she looks like there and um mm-hmm. yeah like you said the that uh, post credit scene of her just like in an abandoned cabin in the woods mm-hmm. just um astral projecting basically and yeah. reading that uh, the dark hold volume of like basically dark magic and then she hears like her kids screaming what i'm interested to see now is are her kids real in another timeline and is she going to interact with them or like yeah. maybe have to save them in another timeline from some sort of darkness or whatever? So there's going to be a lot of like WandaVision's impact and implication on future shows and movies aren't just limited to her accepting the grief or moving on from her grieving process and becoming the Scarlet Witch. But the kids now are going to be possibly something for her to look out for. Like she's had her run as a, a mom for a few weeks or episodes and now we'll see if she actually becomes a mom in movies going forward so no i thought it was a great post credit scene super excited just it was super cool to see her like astral project it's a a great foreshadowing i think of like how her powers are gonna even grow even more yeah we're not getting into loki now but like the loki the wandavision and loki are gonna like have shown us the the possibilities of where marvel can grow as like as the like the whole mcu because i mean a lot of people are casual like me i haven't read a marvel comic in my whole life like i don't know these things so like what this is my first introduction to like how insane this world can get and how yeah they can do movies forever now with like all the different possibilities that have emerged after watching wandavision and loki like my mind is blown actually and i'm i'm gonna save the rest for the loki show because I think that's where it goes full, like, head explosion. <laughs> yeah, so it's probably good that we have, like, WandaVision and Loki, and that's probably why they were released the order that they were. 
Mm-hmm. We needed something in mm-hmm. the middle to keep keep it a little more grounded and yeah. relatable, I think, for the people. So that will segue yeah. into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is more your traditional Marvel content with a lot of action, like buddy comedy, one-liners back and forth, quips. Really what we're used to in seeing Marvel, like your traditional bad guy and protagonist taking them down with some like bigger picture implications as well and I think this show really took a step forward with big picture implications with addressing of racial dynamics in America PTSD as well yeah so there's a lot to unpack in this um while it was still like just a classic Marvel action show there are a lot of important themes in there that should be discussed but first matt what were your initial thoughts on falcon and winter soldier falcon and winter soldier was the show i was looking forward to probably like as one of my most anticipated because to me it had like a winter soldier vibe like a non like less fantasy more hand-to-hand fighting spy intrigue thriller-esque investigate like investigating like i love those shows or movies you know where they're like trying to find some like in a a very grounded in reality show basically or as real as it can get like no magic and i felt like episode one was great with like the helicopter sequences and georges saint pierre which i thought he was great in this show i don't know he makes a good bad guy and all this french dialogue (laughs) i just (laughs) i always cracked up we have two solid characters in my opinion like like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan are just killing their roles. Like every time you see them, they get better at, at playing their the characters we all know and love. But after watching all, like after the six episodes, I have to admit it was my least favorite of the three shows. I could predict more what was going to happen, more like predictable. And it was more, I've seen some of this stuff before, but, but this was done extremely like high, the highest quality of like, choreography stage like f- the fights were amazing the uh the build-up the tension was great all, all the characters that came back from like different movies that threw me and like that kept my interest in the show uh the bad guys maybe like the weakest the weakest bad guys of the three shows like the flag smashers i don't know all the political stuff though like I, I appreciated it, I liked it, but it's like, we've seen this so many times, and that's why I say, like, the predictability. I don't know, it's, it did not have the Loki and WandaVision element of, like, uncharted territory and originality. It wasn't as original as, like, I kind of wanted, um, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it, Eric, like, don't get me wrong. I just, it was nothing special. I don't know, that sounds kind of harsh. I don't know, I don't, do you agree with Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think... Okay. It's an I, well. Obviously, you just said it was your least favorite of the three, and yeah. I think for most people, it is their least favorite. And for me, it definitely is. And I don't think you could have told me two years ago that with these three shows lined up, that this would be the one that I would like the least. And yeah. in saying that, like, it wasn't as original and not as um like uncharted territories as Loki and Wandavision. Like where we were uncomfortable and not knowing where it was gonna go with Wandavision. We were too comfortable that we knew exactly where it would go with Falcon and Winter Soldier to its detriment. Like, it was so predictable the whole time. I knew exactly, for the most part anyways, where we were going. There were no big reveals or twists really at any turn. Flag smashers, weak villains. And you're supposed to sympathize for them, but I really never did. Like, they're killing innocent people, bombing... uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) Fucking... 
bombing embassies and stuff, and then we're trying to like rally behind this young, charismatic air quotes, um, <laughs> leader. I don't know. I just wasn't seeing it. Carly Morgenthau was I was not a fan like what yeah. was frustrating to me was seeing like these flag smasher like sea villains who had injected themselves with the super soldier serum who were actually beating up the OG winter soldier it was so frustrating to watch like how are these yeah. people getting the upper hand on James Buchanan Barnes it was just like as a, as a big winter soldier fan it was just disgusting to see yeah. What I will say though, like the standout for me from this show was Sam Wilson. I was never a big Falcon fan at all throughout the previous his previous appearances in the Marvel movies. I thought he was really good, like a really strong lead, charismatic, kind of funny, and just someone that you really wanted to root for. And his whole journey didn't really seem forced. It really did seem like he needed to go through everything that he went through in order to finally accept that I do need to become Captain America. Not only do I need mm-hmm. to become Captain America, but I am able to become Captain America. And there are a lot of good quotes in there too, like in conversations that he had with Bucky, who wasn't sure about if he could ever overcome like his PTSD and like if he could ever reintegrate himself into society. And then... Sam had a really simple line that I think applies to anyone who's going through anything and like might not see the um, light at the end of the tunnel was do the work. Three words, mm. but mm. so subtly powerful that if you put in the work, you will be able to get whatever you need to get done, done. You just have to commit and do the work. Make it happen for yourself. Like No one in life is going to make things happen for you unless you actually apply yourself wow so there were a lot of uh, strong takeaways from this show for me but overall like i don't even think the action was that great when considering that like like you said matt i kind of also wanted to see like some winter soldier boots to the ground great action sequences it was all right. I should have just stopped talking after my do the work uh, breakdown because that was like more powerful. But yeah, it was it was all right. Like uh, I'm not in a hurry to rewatch Falcon and Winter Soldier, honestly. It, exactly, it's a one and done watch. And but I the do the work completely went over my head, Eric. And that applies, like you said, it applies to everything in life. You can talk all you want about something, but you have like just like the Nike slogan. Nike slogan, just do it is so simple but effective it's literally that's all you have to do is do the work and you touched on something one of my biggest likes of the show was the the character development of sam wilson like the more we learned about him you know you you get his sister in there and like where he's from the scenes with the boat you know like i love that like you follow it's sam's this show is sam's journey basically after a huge like bomb was dropped on his lap at the end of endgame where he's talking to an older captain america like that's like a huge cliffhanger ending like okay what what now for sam this show answers that so it was a much needed show we had to find out what the next steps were for sam and like the main things i wrote down was like fear of filling a true hero's shoes or fear of living of not living up to expectations something we that like that we can all relate to i think um but for like can you imagine having to pick up the mantle of captain america like the greatest human well like one of the greatest humans of all time in that world 
um, like a saint, basically. It's hor it's terrifying, that thought. I don't blame Sam one bit for everything he did in this show, like, at the beginning. I don't blame him. And then, like, when the show introduces the new Captain America, John Walker, played by Wyatt Russell, I might add. So, I'm a huge fan of Kurt Russell, and this is his son. Um, I thought he did a great job. Like, so the new Captain America and Battlestar, like, I thought that was... I didn't see that coming, and I thought that was an interesting element to the show, and how John Walker goes off the wall after the death of his friend, and... I, I enjoyed that, um, but like Sam's evolution at the end and the more and more like he knows what he has to do and all his conversations with Isaiah, the the like the war veteran that did not get any credit he deserved and there's a really touching scene in the last episode where he shows him the statue in the museum and they say now they will never forget, that was really touching um, and you're right like this this show makes you like a a falcon a falcon fan like he's anthony mackie just slayed it just did a great job um even the scene with uh bucky in in the end where he visits the old uh, the old man and tells him the winter soldier killed your son that was me i was like i didn't have a choice like that was and then like the scene where he's staring at the girl in the restaurant like that's there could be so much more they could have added on to that. Like, we could have went deep into Bucky, into the Winter Soldier, or not Bucky now. Like, it was only six episodes. Did we want more? Not really. But there could have been, like, so much more, I don't know, character stuff. But, you know, you got to keep it interesting at the same time. This was a great transitional series for now we know where Sam and Bucky are at. And we know who the new Captain America is. So future movies won't have to like spoon feed us information we already got it all like this was a very necessary series albeit not the strongest one but it had to be done just to like to save time in the movies but now eric the the biggest question mark for me is sharing carter's like introduction not introduction but when she pops up in the show and particularly her actions in the last episode like she's playing for her and valentina basically are like the two question mark characters where I'm like, okay, what they're going to stir the pot later on and what the hell is going to happen. To me, those were like the big takeaways from the finale was there's going to be more shit going down. So See, what are your thoughts? Was, like, yeah. Did we need Sharon Carter to be the power broker again? Mm. Extremely obvious twist. Like by the time it was episode five had rolled around and we yeah. still didn't know who the power broker was, immediately I knew it was her. There is no way you're just going to introduce this random new character at the end of mm. episode six. Like, this is the power broker. Like, okay, cool. It just, it really fell flat, honestly. I think the delivery of, it was a scene between her and Carly. And yeah. like holding her at gunpoint, Carly just mm -hmm. goes like, oh, and the power broker is going to, how's the power broker going to be without her number one uh, muscle or whatever, something like that. It was just so underwhelming. And, like just sheer stupidity on Sharon Carter's part as she's been been pardoned by the US government yep. as soon as she's what, like ten steps down the stairs, she's making calls yeah. about like, okay, now I'm gonna steal all the government's yeah. information and sell them. I don't know, it was just wild. Her character mm. didn't really make much sense to me. She's been on the run from civil war on, so five years have passed. And now she's risen to the top of some yeah. underground Madripoor-esque crime syndicate. I don't know. It was, it was something else. <laughs> so, but for uh, Elaine's character, though, uh, Valentina, I believe is her name. A little quirky. 
definitely a, a weird character, and I think like yeah. Julia Louis Dreyfus can kind of get away with like maybe overacting with a character, but you know what? It's cool. She's an o- a triple OG, so she gets a pass. Interested Absolutely. to see what she's gonna bring going forward, and I'm happy that Wyatt Russell, who I loved mm-hmm. as John Walker. And I'm interested to see how he's going to come into the picture going forward now as... So his mantle in the comics, which I've actually read, is oh. as a U.S. agent. Like, that's his um, his moniker. Power Broker, though, I have no idea. Like, is she going to become some sort of major villain in a movie? I can't see it, given how what we got in Loki at the end there. But we'll get to that soon. So, and also, just to bring it back to another point you made earlier, would we have wanted more out of this show i think so give us maybe 10 episodes of this even give us more scenes with bucky having a beer and playing battleship with the the bartender the asian restaurant the japanese restaurant i'm all for that but maybe give us a different story like i would have omitted the entire carly morgenthau plot maybe make john walker your primary villain or even make zemo become a villain again Mm. You didn't really need Carly, in my opinion. And it's easy to say now that the show is done there, but it wasn't through her storyline that Falcon grew to become Captain America. It was through a bunch of other things that happened that he became Cap. Maybe I'm missing something here, but I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of that storyline. So I would have liked to see it be a little longer if it was a different storyline. Or... I don't know. Would it have benefited from more Flag Smasher point of view mm, yeah. episodes? I think that's just a tough group to sympathize with, honestly. Like, life has changed now since the blip. You're not in the same circumstances as before. You've had to adapt. It's been hard. I don't want to come off as cruel and not understanding of their situation. But things done changed in the words of christopher wallace okay when you said after the blip like everything that came out after endgame to me is super cool because you're seeing the world like how they've moved on like be it like spider-man far from home or wandavision or um like this falcon show and i kind of like the whole like well i mean like when they introduced the grc the global uh they're trying to replace like um relocate everybody you know and like that whole like political agenda type thing and they're like the the main like evil committee that sam kind of like talks to at the end in front of a live audience but but i just want to back it up the show the writers of the show left more to be desired like it was we either got an amazing sequence or like kind of some weak writing or forced writing like you said the sharon thing at the end like that's not strong TV, in my opinion. You're right. No. Like, I, like walking down the steps and I got this, this, and this. Like, it's like the door like was still like halfway open by the time she was yeah. making a call. Yeah. Yeah, good point. It was like a silly Dr. Evil moment from like Austin Powers. It's like, I don't know. The show, what the show did well, it did very well. But it was muddled by like, muddied by like weak writing and some very... The subplots were very poor. Like I think that's fair to say, and I don't think anyone will disagree with that. What I liked about the show was like little moments where like Sam's training with the shield and like learning how to like the different angles and and the the one thought in my head was like Sam's not enhanced by anything, you know? Like he's not like Cap or Bucky. Like he's yeah. brave to like that shield's coming fast. My thought was like Sam's pretty badass to go toe to toe with these like 
enhanced soldiers, you know. And I know he's got armor and the the suit, but he was pretty badass in this show. I'm not gonna lie. And the look was beautiful at, in the last episode too. Oh yeah, I um, those are my favorite moments. The Sam and Bucky parts, and like like I just said, the subplots was like, ugh. Zemo, I like Daniel Bruhl. Love that actor, so but like. Good. <laughs> And he is amazing as Zemo, but it's just I don't know. They they they, they threw a lot of stuff in a, a mic a pot and mixed it together, and like I don't think the result, I don't think the recipe the the recipe was a little too like all over the place, and what came out of the oven was a little muddied, you know. Uh, nice. Def definitely the weakest of the three shows, but this show you can't. It this show was so needed though, just to see like. We need to see how Sam becomes what he became at the end, which is a new Captain America. It was very necessary. Overall, a very, like above average so not in the great category. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, well said, Matt. And uh, in saying that the show was predictable and that I knew where it was going to go the whole time, I knew anyways that Sam is going to come out of this show as Captain America. That happened. So... While I didn't necessarily love the journey, I do love the destination and where it's propelling us going forward. I'm extremely satisfied with that. So it served its purpose. And like you said mm -hmm. earlier there, quite a while back, this story could not have been told in a movie. We did need these six episodes to happen to really mm -hmm. show everything that our two characters go through so that now in future movies, there are no explanations needed we know yeah. exactly who these characters are they know who they are more importantly and they're at peace and are content with who they are and where they are in this place and time and what they need to do now for the greater good and what their place in the avengers will be now like is captain falcon basically yeah. is he gonna be like one of the leaders of the avengers i'm extremely excited to see that going forward now like you kind of see your peter parker as your heir of Iron yeah. Man and now Falcon or Sam Wilson as the heir of Steve Rogers. So it'll be interesting to see what those two in particular look like leading the Avengers. And then even like Wanda is going to be one of the leaders probably as like she's yep. kind of a senior member now and definitely one of the most powerful. So all of the implications for future Marvel movies are what well, these all of these shows are doing so well and super important. And like you said... Before we move on, I gotta show some love to the homie Zemo. Mm. Just the the fist pumping scene in the club killed me. Honestly, all of his <laughs> scenes killed me. He was hilarious. Yeah, just a super smooth. You didn't know if you could trust him. Like what his intentions were. It, like him getting broken out of prison though is kind of cheap. Like it happened like two minutes, I think. Yeah, just, it was so easy out of like a maximum security prison. <laughs> in what was he like in Germany too? So I don't know. It was a a little wild, but you know. To get the plot moving, you couldn't necessarily dedicate a full episode to an elaborate heist to get the homie Zemo out of prison. And I just love how, like, kind of like Bruce Banner, or not Bruce Wayne in uh, Justice League, like, what's your superpower? I'm rich. And Zemo is just loaded. <laughs> He's got the PJ on deck and the the servant like, murdering yeah. people at the end. I don't know if you caught that, but, like, his, I did. his yeah. butler, like... <laughs> That needing just had a bomb go off at the yeah. end there, so that was yeah. that was wild. 
When Zemo's just uh, chilling in that jail in the middle of the ocean, like, all uh, happy. Chilling in the rover. But, no, it was good stuff. Um, Hopefully we get to see Zemo in future um, movies. Maybe even as a villain, I'd be all for that. Like, I was kind of disappointed when he left. I think it was in episode four that he dipped. I would have wanted to see him again in the show, but he served his purpose, I guess. And uh, he literally definitely wasted no time on the screen. I think he was a scene stealer in every scene. Couldn't agree more. And what these the Wanda and Falcon show did was kind of what the Iron Man and Thor movie did back in the day was like we're rebuilding hype for these characters or we're building new hype for these characters and now we cannot like I cannot wait to see these characters in a new in a new movie. Like this is just like reinforcing our like anticipation, building our anticipation even more, which is like a stroke of genius from the producers of of at marvel like they're just let's have these shows and just like rekindle our, our fire for these characters and people are gonna love them now even if we had a sub a sub standard like an, uh, an above average show like falcon i still like i can't wait to see these characters again we just got a little taste again now we want to see like the them in an other avengers movie basically like they're not deleting a bread breadcrumb trail we just get a little morsels out of time and we love it i mean i love it should we jump on to the the cherry on top, I call it. I think Loki is the cherry on top of the WandaVision cake. And the Falcon <laughs> is the crust. You know, the crust is needed, but it's the the least good part of the cake. But Loki is that cherry on top where, mwah, like it's, it was so like enjoyable to watch in my opinion. And uh, okay, I, I, I'm going to slow down here. So when the Loki show was announced, um, what you're good we can talk about loki now sorry yeah of course <laughs> wanna, okay so j- jumping in, now let's okay go. Let's get into <laughs> jumping it. into loki i mean when loki was first introduced way back like in the first thor movie like everyone loved him tom hiddleston is a f- great actor he's charming he's funny he plays that role perfectly and when the loki show was announced i think i think everybody was excited and we all knew it was going to be like loki after what he did an end game with disappearing with the Tesseract. Um, so I was super hyped for Loki. I had, I had huge expectations, had no idea where it was going to go. And as soon as episode one hit and I watched it, I was like, my jaw like was open the whole time. Just all the explanations and all the information I was being fed, the introduction of the, the TVA, the time variance agency, like, that's a mind-blowing concept in of itself. And I had to re, like rewind a lot and catch all the dialogue, like all the explanation, explanations Loki was getting. And even th- I had to throw on subtitles after like three minutes, literally. Um, but no, like just episode one, Eric, I loved it. And I thought it was a perfect start to like the journey where we we're going to experience. What were like, what were your first initial thoughts after that first episode? Loved it. I mean, the whole time, there's ne- literally never a, like downtime i guess Mm -hmm. anyways i I loved it the entire time one through six some people didn't like episode three i absolutely loved it Mm -hmm. i was um hooked from the start i mean like you i kind of knew that this was going to be the premise of the show that we're following loki who's branching off into a different timeline because he disrupted the flow of time by taking the tesseract in 2012 after he's lost Mm -hmm. in new york and now what was interesting for me was i wanted to see how this Loki would act in a new setting, having not gone through all the growth that he did in all of the other movies, right? Like we're still seeing a raw 
angry, power-thirsty, and vengeful Loki at this point, right? Yeah. So, and now he's, like, all of his powers are pretty much taken away from him. He's a prisoner of the TVA, which I love. Like, if I could ever work in, if, like, that's a government (laughs) branch that's available to work for, (laughs) sign me up, please, because I would love that. That was so cool. And, um... (laughs) A lot of, I guess, exposition, if you will, in the first episode there, but it was yep. needed because we couldn't just be in this in this department and not have any answers at all there. You need to like build this world up, even though it's within Marvel. It's a whole new branch mm-hmm. of um, time and also just the branch that governs time. So that needs to be explained. Like it can't just be taken for granted that there's a, a government agent, a government department that monitors the flow of time and order over the sacred timeline, which is Mm -hmm. the flow of time as we know it, having seen these 20-some Marvel movies. So that's super cool. That's another dynamic that's added completely because of this show, is that there are overseers making sure that everything flows according to the timekeepers, I guess, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, will. But no, I loved it, man. There was no... uh, At no time did I ever find myself losing interest or frustrated that certain things were happening the way they were there are a lot of twists and turns too I loved all the characters the new like Mobius played by Mm -hmm. Owen Wilson fantastic and just to speak more on like Tom Hiddleston like you said people loved him from the start me like I, I really became a fan of the Loki character in Avengers I don't think I was that crazy about him in Loki in them Thor didn't really find myself rooting for him. And as you know, like I used to cheer when people died in Phantom Menace. So I was a big <laughs> villain guy from day, even in 2011, of course. So in Avengers, I was really like, I was a big fan of Loki. Like he was a way cooler villain I found than in Loki. Then in Thor, my God. But in, um, in Loki now, he's um, just kind of funnier as well. Like Tom Hiddleston is so comfortable in the Loki character yeah. now that it just seems effortless. And He's the star of the show. Not even it's not even close really. Like his chemistry with every single character he interacts with just off the charts and that is the biggest strength of the show is the titular character but also 100%. everything that it introduces. So those are my and initial I... long-winded thoughts. No, that's uh, you said so many great things and what you said last on Tom Hiddleston like grow like how comfortable he is in the character's shoes. Like, I find Chris Hemsworth, like, illustrates the same thing, like, embodies the same thing, too. Like, if you watch him as stories, like, extremely... We know, like, the association is unreal. Like, Chris Hemsworth, Thor, now Tom Hiddleston and Loki. It's just... They're so good as those characters. And, like, you just want to see, like, endless amounts of movies and shows with them because they're so rich. So after episode one, I was just, like all this information in my head and then episode two introduces like a super cool character like it's called the episode two is called the variant and we get introduced to like i don't know i loved her character eric sylvie i thought she was pretty badass and the act i didn't know who this actress was which it could be a good thing you know it's you're not like thinking of that actor like owen wilson has that for me i'm thinking of owen wilson not mobius while watching mobius but this sylvie character i did not have that no, episode two I thought was great. More information getting known. And Loki, what Loki did, like, one of its biggest strength was, like, ending the episode with, like, oh, I want to watch the next one right away. Like, it cliffhanger endings, pretty much. 
like I was always frustrated how each episode ended because I wanted more like the credits would slam cut and I'd be like ah are you kidding me you ended on like this scene especially in the third episode Lamentis like it literally ends and there's like a beautiful like visual effect in front of them like that because it's like ah it gave me shades of like those colors were like gardens of the galaxy-esque i don't know if you thought something similar there but it was good it really made me think of like uh, nowhere kind of that planet there that they were on i loved sylvia as well i was a huge fan of her character and when you talk about chemistry and dynamic between actors and characters like her and loki every single scene they had with one another was always amazing and I just wanted to see more of them and less of Judge Renslayer. But anyways, mm. that's another <laughs> character we'll get into was, later. Yeah. But no, especially episode three, like that's where you really start to get many. Like that's the first full episode that Sylvie and Loki. So Sylvie is a variant of the Loki character, like from another timeline, basically. Yeah. Female Loki, Lady Loki. <laughs> and the scene of them on the train just having like just conversation really and sharing some of their past experiences and like talking about love and stuff, which I found was maybe like they're getting into these heavy topics a little quickly having just met, but you know what? It's fine for, we only have six episodes. So again, got to get the the ball rolling here. I love those conversations. And then another scene I want to highlight is when Loki is singing like the Asgardian song and the whole everyone else on the train is just super into the song he's singing. It's this super upbeat song, like very folky. Kind of made me think of like when the hobbits are singing in Lord of the Rings, like at the the Green Dragon Inn. Yeah. And then he kind of just shushes everyone, and then they're all focusing on him slowly singing, like this very slow song, like romantic song. I'm assuming he's like locking eyes with Sylvie. And then there's this long pause. And then he just busts back into the upbeat song. I don't know. It just killed me. I don't know if you found it funny there. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it was a pretty funny scene. I might just play it now. In the... it, it didn't hit me as hard as you, uh, it hit you, but now I got to go back and watch that. Um, should. But if like, rewatch the vision scenes, I would <laughs> throw that one what, back on. <laughs> When you said only six episodes, exact, this show does, literally doesn't waste a second, like yeah. in my opinion. Like there's always something going on and... I can't walk to my fridge and grab a snack without pausing it because I fear of like because of fear of missing something. Like there's always every line of dialogue I had to make sure not to miss. I loved all like when Loki and uh, Sylvie are not at in the TVA, and then you get like the interconnecting scenes of them doing their thing, and then going back to see what Ravona Renslayer like. That's a badass name, by the way, or Judge Renslayer. Her and like Mobius. I like. The interconnecting stuff going on at the same time. I enjoyed her character, to be honest. I thought she did a great job. And Owen Wilson, I'm a huge fan of Owen Wilson. You either are or you aren't. True. He plays the same character and he's got that same tone and voice in everything he does. I don't know. He's super laid back and I just, I, I, I loved him in this. This is a show, basically. If every episode had come out at, at once, it would be like one long movie. Mm. It didn't feel super episodic. It felt like one long huge story i i couldn't wait to get to the end but then the ending of this show and i just watched this like three hours ago maybe the ending of this show left me with a million questions and i was very satisfied with the ending but i was also like ah now i gotta wait again or now i gotta like i gotta put on my thinking cap 
which is i mean it's a mark of a great show when you have to think after you're not just like popcorn fun all the time or like stupid explanations basically like this show this is the first show that it doesn't resolve itself like the other two shows mm. as much like this show is we will get more it even says in the after credit scene but let, let's just talk about the last few episodes because there's a concept in the show called pruning where seemingly it kills somebody but we find out that all the the prunes go to this like the end of time basically and get devoured by this giant Elioth demi like what is he nothing it's like a demi i don't know how they, i don't know the demi no like he's like he's a he's like a, a power that just like devours time i guess i don't know he who remains explains like how he found him and use utilized his power and that's another in that's the, the biggest thing of the finale is the introduction of this being called he who remains he's like he's the man that figured out that created the TVA basically and figured out everything and how he wants to keep everything uh, stable. And like, I think that's what confused me about the finale was like after Loki and Sylvie show up at his crib, like what are his motivations really? Like he says one thing, you cannot take anything he says to be true. He has a motive. So do you want to talk about the last episode? Or yeah, like I do actually. Okay. Cause I have lots of questions. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on it and it's tricky because in really labeling how I feel about it, parts disappointed, parts extremely excited, mostly okay. because of everything that it's setting up. But as far as episode itself goes, I didn't love it because okay. like, you have this one last episode to resolve the story that I wasn't even sure what I was expecting Loki and Sylvie to come out of He Who Remains' His crib with. Like the episode five basically ends with them enchanting the Elioth yeah. creature and then seeing a path lit up to the citadel. I had no idea what to expect. Then you get this character, He Who Remains, who, like you said, created the TVA. He's from the 31st century. Mm-hmm. He has discovered that there is there were multiple universes stacked on top of one another. There mm-hmm. was a multiversal war in the in the past or in the future, however you want to describe it. And then he found a way to bring balance to the force or something mm-hmm. and created like the sacred timeline. He governs time through the time variance authority. He's basically now kind of tired of having this job and wants both Loki and Sylvie to take on his mantle. Like he just wants to die, basically. I'm pretty sure. He offers them two options either to kill him or to take his spot as the one who monitors the flow of time. And most of the episode is just this character talking and giving mm-hmm. us answers and a lot of exposition, which I thought was still cool. Like he does use some visual tricks like to um, showcase what these events were in the past that was kind of cool but I just found like I was just watching this episode and then I had to check how much time had passed like 30 minutes had gone by and we're basically just at this dude's desk he was just rambling on and almost nothing had happened I was getting kind of frustrated watching I was like man like what is going to happen the rest of this episode ultimately Sylvie kills this character because she didn't believe a word he was saying, which I felt was frustrating. And I was disappointed that the, that the trust that she had built with Loki was just broken in that last moment in the episode. Like, she kisses him to 
kick him out, basically, mm-hmm. like, to throw him in another timeline, then kill He Who Remains. When he clearly told them, like, there are other variants of myself that are not as friendly as me. Mm-hmm. This character is a variant of Kang the Conqueror, who is one of the major villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're going to see this character again, but in another variant, like as a full-on villain. And he's like one of the strongest Marvel villains as well. So I think killing him was a huge mistake, but I think it had to happen so that the multiverse could be created. And like that's what all the branches at the end formed. So while I was frustrated with the decision-making on Sylvie's end, it was a necessary evil for the future movies and shows. Oh, Jesus. So that's why like my feelings on the finale are conflicting. I didn't love watching it, but I love where it's going. Wow, you blew my mind. I had cuz he does say like some have called me ruler and conqueror. Yep. And oh my god, Eric. I didn't know all this information. Like the last part you said, oh, it was like the most unlikely finale we were going to see. Like the last episode was a death, a, t- a conversation basically, mm-hmm. but the result and what's to come could be the greatest thing like we've seen so far. Like as soon as he said multiversal war, yep. my mind went into like a hundred different possibilities of like, we could see anything they could, it's limitless possibilities. Wow. Now I understand more the last shot of when Loki gets back to the TVA and they don't really know who he is. Like, it's a different reality, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you see, th- that didn't click for me. That didn't click for me right away. But then you see uh, he who remains a statue instead of the timekeeper. Oh, my God. This is like live, my brain working live, folks. You do know more than you did your research. Yeah, Eric. I definitely read up on it as well uh. there. And like, did click for me when he said... People have, like you just said, like they've called me ruler, conqueror. I knew of the character, Kang the Conqueror. Okay. So when he said that, I was like, okay, that's who this character is supposed to be. And then I just read up on it afterwards and confirmed it. People like, Kang confirmed. So I was like, all right, good. I was on the right track. Still a lot of things up for, like, open for interpretation. We don't have all of our answers, but that's True. what, like, like you said, I think. We're now gonna we're gonna see some multiverse action, and I think that's a good way to introduce other Marvel characters without having right. them all coexist peacefully. Like I think that's the mm. next phase of Marvel now is like heading towards a a multiverse war, like he just talked about in this episode. Fantastic Four, X Men. You can't yeah. have all these characters coexist in the same timeline. I think in another timeline we'll see. X-Men and Fantastic Four. And then in ours, we'll have our characters we're familiar with. And then eventually it's going to come to a clash between those two groups. That's what I think is going to happen. Or that's what I'd want to see anyways. Because I don't want to see all these characters in the same timeline fighting the power broker. Fighting John Walker. Like it just wouldn't work. (laughs) You need equivalent beings of similar strength to go toe-to-toe and then have some villains sprinkled in there. When we talk about, like, future of Marvel, like, we can talk about that more there if we want to focus more on Loki. But that's where my head went when I saw that at the end. And I'm excited for what they're going to do now in future Phase 4 stuff. This show is our introduction to, like, the wars 
between different realities, which allows the producers to use the full extent of like their arsenal of characters that everybody knows and loves. And some, some are more obscure than others, but, and it's such a brilliant way, like for the producers of like, they don't have to do any reboots or like re like this is their way of making it all work. Wow. Yep. You really just blew my mind tonight. Now I'm like even more excited for the future. But were your thoughts similar to mine though when you watched the episode or were you really like captivated throughout He Who Remains' speech is? My thoughts were not like, I didn't think as far as you, Eric. My, I, my, my, I was limited by how much I was thinking about the future. I did not, like when he said, when uh, He Who Remains gets killed, he's like, okay, now you're going to meet my like other variants. He says like a line like that. Yep. It didn't really click that like they're kind of introducing the next like I don't know Thanos like like Kang's could be considered a Thanos yep. or a, a big, big baddie probably more fearsome than Thanos. No, that didn't click in my head, Eric, at all. The only thing like every time he said multiverse, my brain just went to the tie the subtitle of like the new Doctor Strange movie, which that will be very interesting. But I didn't I didn't give it more thought. And then I and then I got kinda got distracted by Loki at the TVA and being people not recognizing him. I kinda got really quickly distracted out of that and then really puzzled when I saw He Who Remains a statue in the place, which is a different version of him. I quite like the actor, by the way, who plays He Who Remains or Kang or the Kang the Conqueror. Like he's I seen him in a couple stuff recently. I think he's in that TV show Lovecraft Country or County. Yep. And he was in a couple of movies. Like he's a good actor. As a, as were all the actors in this show. Um, like Agent uh, B fifteen, Agent C t- or not Agent Hunter B fifteen and Hunter C twenty. Like their little subplots were really good, not overextended. Like not like they didn't overstay their welcome. What do you think of the episode with all the Lokis, Eric? We gotta like hu- oh, we gotta okay. talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I was wondering if we we're just gonna jump into the finale right away. Like I definitely did want to talk about those. Yeah. Love that the the cliffhanger yeah. at the end of episode four when we see Loki wake up in the void after being pruned just with like the four Loki variants. So brute or strong Loki, classic Loki, kid Loki, alligator Loki. I was so fired up and I couldn't agree more with what you said earlier about like, ah, like the episode's already done. I got to wait a week now. Is it just me or did it not feel like the weeks in between every Loki episode just felt so much longer than in between WandaVision. Even though, like, yeah. now it's summer, there's a lot more going on, and time is flying by. I just felt like it was, like, maybe, I don't know, Sunday, and I'd be like, oh, there's still three more days to go. Like, I was I was more anticipating the Loki episodes I found than WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. But... Anyway, maybe that's just recency bias as well there. I was definitely anticipating WandaVision too because a lot of them did end on cliffhangers. Anyways, so the four variants that we get introduced to right away were fantastic. I wish we would have gotten more of them, to be honest. Like, I would have liked to see them join our heroes for a little mm. longer, like trying to get to the Citadel at the end. Like, classic Loki was unreal and kid loki as well and even alligator loki was like somewhat of a scene stealer in his own right in his own right and capability and then all the other lokis that popped up later like presidential loki was interesting to see that all of them like turn on one another and stuff like that was a pretty funny scene but uh, no it was really cool to see like i would love to see kid loki down the road like he's the only one i think who has a a realistic shot at being reintroduced but like because classic loki was dead yeah strong loki 
I think is also dead. I don't know, an alligator Loki. Well, there's only so much you can do with that character. But I just felt like that whole segment with all the Lokis was too quick. Like, I would have liked to see mm. more of them. I couldn't agree more. It was cool seeing every lo- different Loki's potential, like how one Loki became a mat, like Sylvie's powers, our main Lokis, like they all had like a specialty almost. And it's almost like a Loki could actually combine all of this and be like even more powerful. Mm-hmm. Like classic Loki is older than all of them. So he like perfected his like illusions and you see that in full display. And that was a really cool scene when yep. he l- creates Asgard, I guess. Mm-hmm seeing our main Loki like see all this and learn from all the different Lokis and that was really great interactions that episode flew by there should have been like the last three episodes to me or maybe the episode four and five were the highlights for me because of parts uh, like the finale being like a desk conversation but that's like the meat of the show is four and five episode four and five and like it was like the opposite of boring it was thrilling I don't know, I was watching it with my mother and we were both like at the on the edge of our seats. Like the Loki show is a very surreal show. It's very like science fiction-y, like fantasy, like everything. Throw in like every concept you can think of. It's not like realistic, but in this world it is. And it's just, they take so many abstract concepts and challenge my brain. Like I have to think about things. Any show that makes me like challenge my like makes me smarter basically and learn things i'm all for it and this loki show did this to perfection any show that makes me want to learn more about a subject like isn't that the goal of marvel is to like make a show that we all want to like we all want to get into marvel a little more now you know i want to know more about this stuff i'm going to be researching kang the conqueror right after we finish recording so no the loki show like i said the cherry on top of the of the wandavision cake but the crust in the trash is setting up so much is setting us for like a um, greatness basically even better than phase three right eric like potentially that's a bold, yeah, it's, uh, yeah bold i think they're getting but... way way more large scale now and like they can yeah. basically do whatever they want they're so ambitious now with what they want to do with phase four and like that's what loki really did is that it yeah. set off all these branches literally to um <laughs> the the unknown and we'll see where they go but i'm i'm definitely optimistic that they'll handle it well and they've been planning these stories for years now and um they're not really rushing anything either i don't think they're mm-hmm. um they've taken the time to research how they want to approach this multiverse world and they they had to set up all these other like establish all these other characters before they could do this yeah and now they'll be able to like you said earlier just introduce these other these other uh, superheroes without as much background on them they'll just be like oh yeah these are superheroes from another world like deal with it they're here now and um one last thing i wanted to say about loki though is that a theme that came up often was the theme of like identity and your um maybe destiny even to a certain degree of just like what you're bound to become in life and it comes up often that a loki's destiny is basically to lose is to be a trickster god is not to be a winner is like you're not to be trusted you're um you're always gonna end up yeah losing basically and there's nothing you can do about it but i think with tom hiddleston's loki like our loki we're seeing that that is not true and you do have a certain amount of well you do have a lot of input and um free control will, on yeah. your destiny and you can become whoever you mm-hmm. want to become as long as you hashtag do the work you can you can mm-hmm. make it happen 
Yeah, they say it in the show, like, the TVA opposes free will, and that's the destiny versus free will. Like, you see it in Sylvie, like, she gets taken away, like, that's so sad, like, she's a child, and... Eric, did we have a question? A couple questions? We did. So, we did have two questions. We'll go to the first one, it was from your mom, Taunt Mary. So, it was for WandaVision. How did Agnes insert herself into Wanda's world? Was it ever explained? I'm going to be honest, I don't remember if it was explained. I would have to rewatch the show. I don't even know if it was explained. Do you recall, Matt, if it was? Agatha absorbs power. I think Agatha, like, planted herself, like, felt the energy, planted herself in there. She, it wasn't random. Like, she wanted the Scarlet Witch's power. So how did she plant herself there? We don't see it, but I think, like, she was, like, plotting and scheming for years and, like, found a perfect opportunity to, like, get to the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, that makes sense. Because she's super old, right? Like, she's scheming for centuries. So, yeah, no, it's good stuff. Thank you, Tom Mary. And the next question was for the show Loki from the homie Basam. His question was, who was your favorite Loki variant and why? Mm, very good question. Do you have an answer? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I like kid Loki, honestly. I thought he was cool. Like, just to see, like, this young kid be seen as like he was the leader of their crew as well i don't know if you remember there but they yeah. said like no he's the king and even loki was like how can you let this kid lead you and he said like he killed thor also so yeah. like he's pretty badass this kid yeah. or he probably killed like thor when he was a kid as well there but like, i'd be interested to see what what his story is and just i thought he was a pretty good actor as well and he wielded crocodile Loki, so honorable mention, bonus points also for kid Loki. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's basically between him and classic Loki. But right. I don't know if Sylvie counts in there. Like, I omitted her from that because, like, I think that'd be an easy answer. Like, I loved Sylvie. Like, I would say if you're considering her in there, she would be the best. But you also mm -hmm. get to spend a lot more time with her as well. So, of the ones who were introducing episode four and then five kid loki for me how about you matt if sylvie counts i'm gonna say sylvie but <laughs> other than that classic loki because i love the actor who plays him richard e grant and i love his whole speech on like we find out his journey and how he got pruned like that whole like he isolated mm -hmm. himself and he learned a lot like he's the he's the philosopher loki you know the yep. the wise loki and i just liked all his scenes so that's my answer yeah, great answer i agree yeah. he was a uh, close uh, contender for number one as well so yeah those are our questions so thank you to those who submitted i do believe i know the answer but i just want to like, have a quick quick discussion about it like if you had to rank these three shows that we just talked about how would you rank them honestly i would rank them loki wandavision falcon and winter soldier same here, honestly. Like, okay. Really, nothing needs to be said. I should have known when you said Loki was the cherry on top, but you never know. Like in some cases, the cake may be better than the cherry, so who knows? That's true. But um, yeah, for me, it's the same. Like Loki, number one, Wandavision. Like they're very close, though. It'd be um, maybe upon multiple rewatches, uh, Wanda would take number one, but Falcon and Winter Soldier it would take some reshoots and uh, <laughs> and among <laughs> other things cut. to make it a contender for number one but still recommend if you've listened this far and haven't seen it yet you should still watch it so um now for like future marvel shows and movies matt are there one or more movies or shows that you're really anticipating now at this point having seen what these shows are kind of setting up is there something that's on your radar because of loki 
I am a thousand percent like hyped for the <laughs> Doctor Strange movie, actually, Multiverse of Madness, especially after reading like it's going to be the closest thing to a horror movie that Marvel's going to do. Yeah. I'm a little biased. I don't know. Because of Loki, that movie's just shot up um, the top of my expectations list. I'm always down for a Thor movie as well. So like the fourth Thor movie. And I think, is Christian Bale going to be in it? I think, I feel like that was announced. Yeah, he is in it. Yeah. Bateman. One of my favorite actors. <laughs> Patrick Bateman in a Thor movie. Come on. Uh, what more could you ask for? It all comes back to American Psycho, folks. Um, <laughs> like I said, Chris Hemsworth gets better every time you see him as Thor. So like Thor and uh, Doctor Strange 2. But Eric, I'm going to be like a kid in a candy store every time I sit my butt in the theater to go watch a new Marvel movie. It doesn't matter what it is. This is just like the the top of like the candy selection I'm going to get, but it's all candy for me and I'm going to enjoy eating all the candies, aka watching all the movies, you know. Yeah. So, very well said. I can't wait to get back in the theater and have some nice fuzzy peaches, maybe smuggle in some Mike and Ikes or Swedish <laughs> fish to watch some of these movies cuz yeah, Black Widow now like the theaters are opening up this weekend at the time of recording so i'm definitely going to go see black widow which you've noticed that we did say we were going to talk about but omitted because we haven't (laughs) seen it yet or i haven't seen anyways i don't know if you went and saw it matt there but i have not seen it did you see it no not yet okay so future episode there we'll we'll talk about it but so movies i'm anticipating absolutely doctor strange high on the list because of loki and wandavision like wanda will be in doctor strange as well one that's coming out this year is um spider-man no way home i think it's called Mm. so that will also have major implications into the multiverse i think that's the first movie that's going to deal with the multiverse post loki and doctor strange is going to be in that movie so wow interested to see what his dynamic will be like with Peter Parker, having spent some time with him in the um, spaceship and on Titan in Infinity Wars. See, like, if he can become, like, we talked about Peter Parker being the heir to Iron Man or to Tony Stark, but Doctor Strange could also be some sort of heir to Tony Stark in that they're quite similar, former, like, very cocky, top of the Hmm. line, um, elites in their lines of work anyways, and um, always think they're right, hard-headed, very intelligent. So interested to see how Doctor Strange maybe steps into that mentor role for Peter. So I'm pumped to see that. And like I said, if there are multiverse implications in that movie, I'm all for it. So those two, but I'm also pumped for the Eternals movie, which is going to introduce like a whole slew of new characters. I'm I'm interested to see... uh, what that story is going to be. I, I really don't know much about those characters and right. why they're stepping in now. They're, these are basically like gods stepping in who have just been like maybe observing for the last 7,000 years and choosing to step in now. So what kind of force are they going to be facing? Maybe something that's emerged out of the, the sacred timeline being disrupted. I don't know. So interested to see how that will play out. I haven't done any reading on the Eternals, but I know for a fact that whatever my thoughts are on the Eternals, it's not going to be, they're, they're going to be wrong, which is, that's why I like, I have no opinion on the Eternals. It's just, I'm going to sit and it's going to blow me away because I, I literally have no idea what they're going to do in that movie. And I'm so excited for that. I love going in blind in a movie. The, to me, the Eternals is the ultimate, like going blind. Like I saw the trailer 
which was probably like I avoid trailers, but for some reason I was, I was too curious. That's why it can't be like my most anticipated because like I'm literally like blind going into that. Marvel, when I think of the future of Marvel, I'm thinking like them knowing what they're going to do for the next like, I don't know, five to ten years. And it, it's very reassuring because the structure like ever since 2008 when Iron Man came out, they've been so on the point with like sticking to their guns and like stick... Like, they have their own sacred timeline of, like, when shit's getting released and how we're going to make everyone's life so much better with these awesome movies. Like, they fuck, they know what they're doing. And I love them for it. And I don't think that's going to... I think that's going to continue. Where people, are, like, after Infinity War and Endgame, were like, oh, are we getting into the superhero fatigue? Absolutely not, because of all these new concepts they're introducing, like, in Loki, that's going to lead into the movies and stuff. Like, I think they keep re-injecting new blood and ideas into these marvel movies and it's just making them even better and look at the quality of acting they're getting for all these movies every a-list oscar winner actor is signing up now and i freaking love it same here couldn't agree more and like i don't think we're gonna get tired of it either and especially with like the all the endless possibilities with the introduction of a multiverse now like mm -hmm. the one thing i wonder about though now is are we gonna be getting movies or shows that'll focus on different timelines now or different mm. universe and we'll be like okay like forget about the other timelines for this or these movies we're focusing on what's going mm. on in another universe and then it'll be on us the audience to have seen everything piece it all together when we go see like the avengers movie when they all like fight each other or join forces whatever they do decide to do there'll be like some necessary, some required reading, if you will, right. in seeing these movies and like watching the shows. And um, you're gonna have to be on top of everything because otherwise they'll be like kind of lost. And that might be the only unforgiving thing about Marvel to a casual audience member is you are required to watch everything. Yeah. And some people that are not big movie fans, but love to go to the theater for a, an evening of like roller coaster fun will be left confused. Absolutely, Eric. It's there because there are so many Marvel fans that like they're fine doing this, but fine. it will detract a lot of people. The casual, the people that go to the theater once a year, basically. The people go to the theaters on Tuesdays, basically, and oh. <laughs> the people that ruin Tuesday for me, yeah. <laughs> but no, I can't, I can't express how much I love Marvel and like how much they've enriched cinema in the last thirteen years in terms of setting the standard for action extravaganzas and like cgi fights yeah it's not these aren't oscar movies or like art films whatever like that are going to be stored in the smithsonian of like film archives or whatever but they're the like highest form of entertainment in my opinion like that in star wars it's just so i don't know you forget about life it's the best form of escapism is one of those big marvel movies at the theater in my opinion we the next one coming out is a show called what if actually which is going to be an animated show that i'm also super excited for so if you hadn't heard about that check it out it drops on august 11th nice. and it's basically okay. about like marvel events how like they could have occurred had different characters been in those situations so we're basically going to see variants of the superheroes we know in different settings essentially so we're gonna see like instead of captain america it's gonna be captain peggy carter so a female captain america in england and um king t'challa so black mm -hmm. panther will be 
Star-Lord, and um, I think Iron Man is going to be Doctor Strange. So basically, characters are swapping wow. roles with one another, so it'll be cool. And they actually got all the actors who play these characters in the movies to voice them as well, so it'll be cool to see those actors play their characters completely differently. So I'm sure they'll have a bla- they had a blast doing that, just to explore different sides of their characters as well there. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that show. Well, after hearing you just now, I'm super excited. I didn't know those details, so yeah. wow. So um, do you want to give us some recommendations, Matt, uh, movies you watch, shows, yeah. music, book, um, anything? I'll, I'll keep this a little briefer than normal. I mean, we have talked a lot about, like, for fear of having an episode over two hours, you know. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about three movies, and I'll do them all in one shot. One, first movie is A Quiet Place Part 2, directed by John Krasinski, who did the first one, and stars in both of them. I mean, stars in the first one. To me, like, just like a droplet weaker than the first one, but like, they're both amazing movies, in my opinion. Amazing horror movies filled with suspense and tension. Emily Blunt is fantastic, and the new character of, uh, played by Killian, Killian Murphy, Thomas Shelby from Peaky Blinders. Of course. Killian Murphy is an amazing actor, and he kills it. But the real, the real stars of the movie actually were the two kids from the first one. They're just, they matured in this one, they look a little older. They're. They do a phenomenal job. The deaf girl and her brother. I don't know. I had no complaints with this movie. It's a quick 90 minutes. Doesn't overstay its welcome. Easy watch. Good tension and good scares. Second movie I want to talk about was a movie actually filmed in Ottawa with Mel Gibson. And I remember when Mel Gibson was in town, everyone was like talking about it. And he went to a Sens game and he was with Eugene Melnick in his box. And he was filming this movie called Fat Man. And the movie's about... This like bastard kid, evil kid who like hire, puts a hit out on Santa Claus because he got coal in his like, under his Christmas tree at Christmas. So he hires this hit or uh, a hitman played by Walton Coggins, who's a phenomenal actor and lots of TV and movies. So Walton, you follow Walton Coggins' hitman character while he's trying to find Santa Claus and like kill him. And there's a lot of like violent action and like funny dark humor in the movie. And it's shot in Ottawa, so. I recognize a couple highway signs and there's like a Timmy's cup in the movie. I don't know that, that to me, it elevated fat man into like, I enjoy it more because I, it's shot in Ottawa and I could like look at all the license plates and I don't know. It's kind of like the feeling Eric, I'm going to get when we watch, uh, the exchange. So close, <laughs> so close, man. Two weeks yeah. at the time of recording. I was going to ask for an update. Like if you knew, found out more information, but, uh, well, well, now like, that I'll, theaters I'll, are opening up, we'll find out soon. Okay. Uh, the last movie I want to quickly talk about is an old movie from 1977 called Saturday Night Fever with John, uh, starring John Travolta. It's a classic in its genre of like musical slash drama coming of age. All I'm going to say is this is John Travolta at his prime. And when I mean prime, he like tears it up on the dance floor and you get to see how amazing John Travolta is as a dancer. And he plays this character perfectly. It's a raw movie, actually. It's not like a Grease. It's this one's rated R, and it has a lot of like heavy themes in the movie. It's not for like kids or teenagers. It's just a really good story, really really good character piece with a lot of disco music. So that's Saturday Night Fever. I love it. Uh, so yeah, those are the three movies I wanted to bring up. Interesting. You also mentioned the exchange because I actually almost applied to be an extra in Fat Man, and I kind of yeah. regret not doing it because who knows? Like I could have made it in there because it's actually Bassam. I, I feel like I've already said this on the pod, but maybe not. Like that, I could have went in to be 
Walton Goggins's stand-in, like his stunt oh. double, basically. <laughs> so that would have been no. unreal to do. Like, I don't really look like him there, but I had, like, the, the similar build to him. Yeah. So may, maybe a missed opportunity there, but it's all good. No regrets. It's awesome. The movies I've watched recently, I watched... So I had watched the first installment in this trilogy a few months ago and really enjoyed it. So I finally found that the second one was on Crave, which is the How to Train Your Dragon 2 movie. Okay. And I really loved it. Like, I loved the first one and I loved the second one as well. I thought it was a refreshing spin on the first one, a little darker and, like, more themes about stepping into who you're supposed to be and, like, becoming a leader and figuring out where you fit in the world like a lot of relatable themes in there and a cool story i just i love the dragons in there too they're just they look so cool and the animations are awesome highly recommend this movie I, i'm ashamed to say that i didn't recognize that uh, kit harrington was one of the new characters in the movie and um, once I looked it up, and then I saw it was saying like, ah, yeah, I could, it's so obvious, but it's kind of hard. And like, that's what I like about animated movies too. Just trying to pinpoint which voice actors play the characters. Sometimes they're not that obvious, though. Like, they they use some sort of uh, voice editing features to change mm -hmm. the voice a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to justify me not identifying Kit Harrington's <laughs> voice to play that actor. I don't know. But anyways, solid movie. Definitely recommend. And I'm looking forward to watching the third one now. And then the other movie that I started today, I didn't get a chance to finish it, was... And it's fitting that we, I say this on the episode that we talk about He Who Remains, a.k.a. King the Conqueror. Jonathan Majors stars in this movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, have you seen it, Matt? I have, I have. So I haven't, I didn't finish this movie. I'm like almost an hour in. Not going to lie, I'm not hooked yet. I saw this movie had like, universal praise. So maybe I'm going to need a recommendation from you, Matt, to convince me to keep watching it. Or am I kind of on the right track here that I maybe shouldn't necessarily bother finishing this movie. Like I wasn't hooked. Maybe I was on my phone a little too much while I was watching it as well. It's a movie that was really hyped for me because I read all this praise now. And I sat, I actually sat down and watched this movie with my mother, which means I was totally dialed in this movie. Like the phone was not even in the same room. It is a very, to me, it's a very unique movie actually. Like I, I fit, I, after finishing the movie, I was like, I'm really glad I watched it, but like, was it really my cup of tea? Like, I was having huge discussions with my, like, big discussions with my mom about like the movie and like what happened. It is, it is a weird movie, Eric. I, I'm totally with you on like, what the hell's going on and like, and once you get like, see the end, like, there's a, I, the ending was good. Like, it does. There's some good scenes at the end, and then you're like, oh, like, I think overall you like, you appreciate the movie, but there's some parts where it's just. I don't know. It wasn't for me. I felt it felt it was definitely a long movie. But like John, I you just mentioned his name, like John. Uh, Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. He was great in it, and that's the first movie I've, I've seen him in. And the, our main character is good too in the movie. It's a very, maybe I don't want to say abstract. Maybe an artsy movie. It felt like an art kind film artsy. almost, yeah, right, Eric? Kind of art film for sure. Yeah. Like, it's something that would play at a film festival, and you're like, yeah, I enjoyed watching that, but, like, it's not a movie you're throwing on in an, for a night of entertainment. It's more of a thought-provoking movie and not a just, like, watch with your buddy and enjoy, you know? Am I glad I watched the movie? Yes. Did I enjoy it fully? Probably not. 
Okay, so I will not be watching the back half of this movie. Retract this recommendation. Unless you want art house movies. Yeah, like, if you want to put on your thinking cap, watch the movie. But if you want, like, a fun evening, it's not a fun movie. Speaking of fun evening, I'm just going to dive right into... Pretty much, I have another recommendation for music there, but I'm just going to give a quick TV show. This is nothing groundbreaking. This has been spoken about on the pod many times, so... Like a few days ago, I got my second dose of my COVID vaccine. Absolutely kicked my ass. I was out of commish the day after. So just off work. What do I do? Crushed all of season one Game of Thrones. What a day it was. I mean, absolutely incredible season. I think it's better with time as well. When I look back on Game of Thrones and... A lot of people mention like season one's their favorite season. And for me, it, it was never really a, in contention for top season because I always put like season four, season three. I even I love season six as well. But man, season one is phenomenal. Like there is not a single wasted scene in any of the episodes because they're establishing what this world is. The dialogue is so sharp and important like you really need to be paying attention and game of thrones in the early seasons especially because the dialogue was so witty and like you don't know these characters that well you really did need to be paying attention when characters like varus and Littlefinger are talking about things in the throne room nothing is said explicitly either like there's not a lot of exposition in there and having seen the show so many times like i appreciate it even more every, every time so it's just um oh man if you have time like just covid vaccine or not or uh, get your covid vaccine of course but even if you're you're not off because you're you had a rough night because of the vaccine there throw on season one game of thrones i, I can't believe i watched the whole season in one day and then i started wow. season two as well i watched like the first 30 minutes and I'll, I'll get it going again tomorrow or something there but oh man so good like throw it on again those are the the glory days of game of thrones ned stark days yeah I mean, I've seen season one twice, but that was like, when did the show come out? 2011? Yep. Twenty. Yeah, so it's been a decade. I bet you, if I watch now, all the name, like, correct me if I'm wrong, all the name drops they do in season one and places just come back, like, way, like, it's Easter eggs, right, Eric? Oh, yeah, they name drop, yeah. like, the city of Bravos. Um, there's, okay, Bravos. They even talk about, like, Dorne as well. Um, wow. Foreshadowing, yeah. Pentos. They even mentioned Karth as well, which they go to in season two, but it is mentioned in season one. There's like I did fall asleep in a couple of the episodes there. I was not feeling great there, so I don't have all the name drops off the top here. It was it was it was really fun to rewatch that season again, honestly. Like and I'm gonna give it a full rewatch. I don't know if I'm gonna go till the end there. <laughs> like I was watching videos. Oh man, and just watching like Rob, like him take on the King of the North mantle. Like, just you're rooting for him to get revenge for his father's death and, like, his sister's yeah. capture. Like, you, you gotta be a, a sick puppy if you're rooting for Joffrey and aren't <sighs> cheering for Rob to get revenge after season one. Like, the scene where he finds out that Ned was killed and, like, he's just slashing his sword against a tree and, like, crying. It's just, like, uh, it's an all-timer tough moment. Him and his mom, they're just, like, talking about how they're going to get revenge. And, um, yeah, it's too bad that, like, when I was reading the books, I was hoping that Rob would get to kill Joffrey. And I guess that's a good thing about Game of Thrones is that you, 
it played on your expectations and never delivered the way you thought they would, right? And like that's what kept it so fresh and just original that expect the unexpected. You'll get what you want, but not necessarily how you want it for the most part anyways. You don't well get said. everything yeah. that you want in that show there, but Mhm. It's what made the show what it is now and why there was so much hype for the last few seasons that didn't meet our expectations. It's one of the strongest starts to any show maybe of all time. Yeah, I would say so. The first three seasons is like the most upward trajectory of like, where is this show going to go? And then probably people would say a, a steep decline in season seven and eight with like the the logic flaws and the, the physics of the show not working out, tying everything too fast at the end. But I mean, we could do a whole Game of Thrones season eight analysis if we wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what your uh, if you had you, had, you said you had a music recommendation. Well, now I don't know if I'm gonna share it. We've been going for quite a bit there, okay. but uh, we can save it for next time. Yeah, I think we'll cap it off there. So yeah, <laughs> nice. Marvel Phase Four, great to talk about these three shows with you, Matt. And like, surely down the road we'll have more of these shows and movies to talk about. Like near the end of the year, there when most of the movies will have released. Maybe after Doctor Strange is out, who knows? There we'll. Uh, We'll definitely do some more Marvel analysis down the road. So yeah, any final notes for the listeners, Matt? Thank you everybody for listening. And I hope if you're not like a big Marvel person, we've you've watched these shows and we've kind of like opened your opened your mind to like the things to come, like the great things to come. And I'm sure most people listening agreeing with me and Eric. And just on a last note, I mean, enjoy your summer and I hope everything's going great in your lives. So thank you. Couldn't agree more. So yeah, thanks a lot everybody for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Continue to stay safe. Love you all. And yeah, peace.